So we're talking about things that go bump in the night, things that go bump in the night. You know, those weird things like when you're a little kid and you imagined your clothes in your closet had become monsters or that there was a monster on your bed. You ever, any of you ever, I never had that. I was afraid of the clothes in my closet, but I never worried about what was under my bed. But some people always thought about there was a monster under their bed and that once they got in bed, they, maybe their parents taught them that so they wouldn't get out of bed, <clears throat> you know. You know, there's a monster in your bed. Don't get out of bed in the middle of the night because, you know, you know, there's a, there's a snake. Or uh, So last night we had uh, 3.30, the, the smoke, smoke detector went off. No, no, it didn't go off. You know where it's like the low battery, the beep? And I just replaced all of them, all brand new, about six months ago. So this one in our bedroom is like 14 feet high. So there was no, I mean, so the one, it's the one in our bedroom, of course, you know, 3.30 in the morning, uh, <clears throat> it's going off. And so I just figured, you know, as we're trying to figure out, we're, so I didn't have a ladder that would, I, I've got a, I have a ladder that will reach that high, but I didn't have it at the house. So, you know, 3.30 in the morning, I wasn't going to go out and buy a ladder. So, uh, so we moved to different, you know, we moved to different places in the house trying to get far away from it where we couldn't hear it. And then eventually, it eventually quit. I'm not sure what time in the morning it, it, it healed itself. And uh, <laughs> I always figure if, if, I, if I wake up in the middle of the night, I always figure that I, it's for good reasons. So I always pray. You know, so I'm thinking, well, I knew that my son was on the road traveling uh, from Pensacola back to Dallas. He has a, uh, a car hauler. And he was hauling a load of cars. And so I thought, well, I'll pray for him. So I prayed for him. I even called him the little night. And he's like, everything okay, Dad? I mean, you know, who calls you at 3.30 in the morning? It's not a problem. So I called him. Uh, but things go bump in the night. So I want to uh, talk about overcoming our fear of man. How do we overcome our fear of man? Uh, why do we fear the disapproval of men and women? I'm going to throw that in there so much. We, we all want approval we, and acceptance. We hunger for it. Uh, it's, it's dri- and it drives a lot of our choices. It drives the clothes you wear. But, and, it, and the clothes you wear may not be acceptable. In other words, there's, there's, we dress for the group that we want to be accepted by in a lot of ways. You know, hopefully we, not always, but... Uh, but this, you know, where you live, we always, we all want to live in, we always, we want to live in a nice place, but you know, your address, you can live in 2000 square feet in different places in the city and it could be the exact same house in different places in the city. And it's going to be worth more because of the neighborhood, but actually living there would be the exact same experience, but we would prefer to have the more prestigious address, right? Am I lying? No, y'all are all so humble you wouldn't do that. Uh, <clears throat> but social media has multiplied this, these fears among us. It's really affected it among teens, among the young, uh, suicidal thoughts and, and, and uh, the reality of teens has increased exponentially. Uh, teens are suffering from body dysphoria which causes anorexia and bulimia, in other words, they see themselves, they, see, they look in a mirror, and although they, they may be very thin, they don't see themselves as thin, they, they see themselves as fat. 
So it's, it's caused, because of social media, they put pictures out there. It's caused a lot of, a lot of anxiety about looks, and then it gets a lot of feedback. And so then that feedback causes a lot of anxiety, whether you get good feedback or bad feedback, especially if you're, especially if you're a teenage girl. It seems to really affect, be affecting teenage girls. Uh, now we're dealing with gender dysphoria uh, and confusion about gender. And this was not a thing. This was not a thing before social media. I mean, yes, there were very, very few people who struggled with, usually later in life, with maybe gender dysphoria. It, it wasn't to the degree that we're seeing at very early ages uh, of kids struggling with confusion about their gender. There's been a, an increase in cyberbullying where, you know, and, and you've even experienced this. I mean, you may not get bullied, but, you know, because everybody has an opinion, if you remark about something on Facebook, I mean, you will get a, you can, you can I, th- I think, I thought that was a benign statement that I made, and man, you know, somebody will come out with this. I can't believe that was so evil or stupid or, you know, that, that you'll just be attacked. And, and we can do that because it's so anonymous. I mean, somebody can randomly just, just attack you from, from, from anywhere. So, so it is affecting us. Uh, and the reality is you don't really outgrow your appetite for approval. It's not like you like, oh, when I was a teenager, I struggled with this. But now that I'm 40, I don't struggle with it anymore. We always desire the approval of our peers and people we know and even strangers. Proverbs 9, 29, 25 says this. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So Proverbs tells us, the Word of God tells us, the fear of man is a snare. A snare is a trap that hunters use to entrap an animal and then with the intention of devouring the animal. I mean, there's a purpose, right? It's, it's not benign. The trap is not benign. They're just not trapping it. They're trapping it for food. And so how do you trap an animal? Well, you have to entice the animal. You have to, you have to place something that the animal wants Uh, and <laughs> I was just thinking about how yesterday I was standing in my yard and I looked to my right and there was a fox about six feet behind me, sneaking up behind me. And as soon as I turned, he took off. I was like, what was he going to do? He's like, <laughs> he's like, you know, and my dog was, my dog was totally oblivious. My dog was like, I, I was like, there's a fox. He was like, I don't care. Are there snacks involved? You know. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> what did the fox say? Are there snacks? Um, so the fear of man is a trap. So there has to be something that entices, entices, and then, then there's a net or some kind of entanglement or some kind of a jaws that entrap uh, so that, that that can be, so that the animal can be consumed. So th- there's, it's not a benign thing. So it's a, it's a trap. There's a purpose. So it's in the fear of man will trap you. The fear of man 
it baits you, it pulls you in, but the, it's not a benign purpose. The fear of man will bring destruction. So how do we deal with the fear of man? Uh, so how do we deal with this? The person that we give the most authority in our life to define who we are, what we're worth, how we define our worth, what we should do, in other words, we define our activity, how we should do it is the person we fear the most because it is the person whose approval we want the most. So who, whose opinion do you fear? I mean, you know, I mean, we, all, we want approval. I mean, I know you all think that Tina dresses me, but she doesn't. I actually, you know, pick out most of my own clothes unless it's a gift. Uh, I pick it out. But anytime I pick something out, I always say, what do you think about this? You know, is this too far out there? You know, except for the, except for the, the lime green shoes. I got those on my own. Uh, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I mean, you know, I, want, I do want her approval because I, she's important in my life. I, I want her approval. Right? It, that makes sense. So, you, so someone important in life, so you're giving value to. You give value to someone and let them determine because the person whose approval you want the most, you're going to change your behavior. The person's approval we desire most, whose disapproval we most fear to receive, is the person we will obey. They are our, in a sense, our functional God. Someone who has the ability to control your behavior is a functional God. That's why the Bible calls us, commands us to fear the Lord. We're, we fear the Lord, the Lord, so that he, not, not the world system, but God is, is our true God. Jesus said this, Matthew 22, verse 37. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. Then he said, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 10, 28, Jesus said this, don't fear those who can kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. So Jesus said, listen, don't be afraid of the person who can only kill you. We're like, wait a minute. Only kill me seems like enough, right? But Jesus said, don't fear the person who can just kill you in the here and now, but cannot eternally, can't affect your eternal life. He said, because you know who he's talking to? He's talking to people that are going to have to lay down their life for their faith. He's talking to people that are, that are, that becoming a Christian is going to cost them the favor of their families. It's going to cost them the favor of the people they work with. It's, it's going to cost them the favor of the Roman government. And when that happens, when they lose the favor of the Roman government, they're likely going to be persecuted. They're likely going to be punished. They may lose their job or in different seasons of Rome, they lost their life. So Jesus is saying, he's establishing the church. He's saying, listen, listen, don't be afraid of the person that can just kill you. <laughs> Fear the one. Instead, I'm sorry, I had a pop-up. But rather fear him is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Words, don't worry about the temporary things. Worry about the eternal things. Let God establish eternal favor. Loving God and fearing God are not two competing truths. We think about the love of God. Oh, you know, the love of God is on one side and the fear of God is on the other side. And they're like, 
God used to, I used to fear God because he was the Old Testament God, and now I love God because he's the New Testament God. But this, it's not like there's two gods. It's just two sides of the same coin. To love God and to fear God. So loving and fearing, or, or is that by loving God and fearing God and not fearing man more, we, we make God our functional God. Jesus is calling us to seek the eternal reward of God's approval more than the puny man's fleeting approval, which will change. I mean, think about it. Think about, just think how the world system changes in approval. Do fashions change? I mean, what is fashionable? And it's amazing. I don't know how this, I don't understand how our mind works, but this is how it works, okay? So, new is better. So, we have a 2018, she has, I have a 2012, she has a two, uh, Ford truck. She's got a 2018 Tahoe. Love it. It's great. It's a wonderful vehicle. We love having it. It's a blessing. Now they've redesigned it. I like it better. I, I like the new one better. The, I don't like the price. I'm not going to get one. <laughs> Well, I lost that battle. It looks like I'm, looks like I'm keeping the old truck. Uh, <laughs> thing. Uh, but you see how we're wired? I mean, we see that and we think, ooh, oh, that looks good. I like that. And, and then your old one starts looking worse compared to the new one. Now, what happens, if you can wait long enough, the old one becomes a classic. And you look back and say, oh, look, that looks cool. But it takes a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Jesus is calling us to seek the reward of God's approval more than human, man's fleeting approval, and to fear God's internal disapproval over man's fleeting disapproval. He's calling us to direct our love and our fear to the right God. The fear of man is a trap because it's a false God. Can't save you. They can just, they can just pontificate an opinion about you, but they can't change you. They can't help you. They can't save you. The fear of man is a trap. But, but the fear of God is safe. Why is the fear of God safe? Because God is God. He really is God. Man is not God. God is God. And when we fear man who is not God, instead of fearing God who is God, we're fearing that Jesus said, don't fear the temporary. Don't, don't worry about the temporary. Worry about the eternal. Don't build your life trying to bolster up just the temporary. Live for the eternal purpose. So how do you overcome the fear of man? We all have it. We all struggle with it. We all we all want to be successful. We all want to be defined as successful. We want, all want people to approve of us. Uh, I don't care what game you're in, what work you do. You want your business to succeed. And a lot of the reasons why you want your business to succeed because you want people to see you as a success. That makes sense? 
In other words, you, you won't want your due to succeed because you want the approval of men because you are succeeding. It doesn't matter what you do. You, you want to do well in that area. So how do, we, how do we battle this? This is a battle because we're all, the culture is trying to pull us a certain way. The culture is trying to pull us a certain direction. So how do we resist and swim against this tide, the stream, and instead of fearing the disapproval of man, fear what God thinks or want God's approval. So how do you overcome the fear of man? Number one, question your fear. No, no, that's not right. That's not number one. Number one is, I got ahead of myself, sorry. Confess your fear of man. Hebrews 12:1 says this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. See, I need to determine with the strength that God gives me and through the righteousness that has been applied to me through Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in me to throw off everything, every sin that hinders and entangles. He talks about how, how it's easy to get tripped up. When you're running the race, it's easy to get tripped up. He said, so throw off the things that would trip you up. I always got a kick. Now, in, in the life of this church, we've had... Uh, quite a few, few seasons of time where we had church league softball teams. And what's interesting about church league softball teams is that you would, it was, it was great fun. We had great fun doing it. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people learned to cuss uh, doing it. Uh, we had, <laughs> we, we, we actually had to quit basketball. It was just not working out. So uh, it was horrible witness. So, uh, so, uh, so, so, so we'd have these church softball teams, and you know it's just fun. I mean, softball—it's—it's—it's it, it's, uh, it's a fun game. Uh, it's not hard, you know. Guys who played ball in in high school or, or didn't even, didn't. I mean, I I didn't go past little league. And I mean, I loved playing church league softball. If you ever want to see the actually slowest running of bases you have ever seen, you just need to watch me run the bases. It's actually it's like fast walking the bases. I just was very slow even in my prime. Okay, so. So we would have these, we'd have these softball games. And what was interesting, so you, so you got guys who, who haven't played any kind of baseball or softball or anything since their teens. And now they're 35. Okay. And, and they go out, and, we're, and we've been catching and, and hitting and throwing the ball around. Nobody has thought about when I hit the ball, I've got to run as fast as I can to first base. And none of these guys have run in 10 years or so. I mean, they may have tried, but they've not tried to run at full speed since they were kids. Okay. So they, and you know, and so they love, I mean, it's, the game is intentionally made where you can hit the ball. So these, you don't have a lot of strikeouts in, in slow pitch softball. That's not the purpose of the game. The purpose of the game is throw a little lob ball, boop, 15 mile an hour, you know, it's not like a fastball coming in. You got to dodge. It's like, you know, I mean, a baby can hit it and you throw it in and you, they, and you, you hit the ball and then they take off running and, and, and what happens is that their mind runs faster than their feet. 
So they take off running, and as they're running, their head is getting further and further ahead of them, and they can't get, they can't, their 18-year-old sports mind and their 35-year-old legs are not jiving together. And it was interesting, you, see, you would see several people slide headfirst into first base. <laughs> if they made it to first base. What's even worse is you slide and you have to get up and crawl the rest of the way to first base. So you can, it's easy to get entangled. It's, what you find is you can, get, you can get tangled up in yourself, right? So how do we overcome that? How do we run the race? We have to determine to see the trap that's there. And throw it off. In other words, throw off the things. Throw, throw off the, the, the need, the appetite, the drive, the appeal of the fear of man. you got to throw it off. Just, it's just like when Lazarus came out of the, the tomb. He was alive. But Jesus said, okay, loose him and let him go. They had to unwrap him. And that's what happens. You know, sin starts out very subtly. You, you take a hold of the snare and the trap. You grab a hold of the snare and the trap, and then they throw the net on you. If I move around, it messes him up. So the snare entraps us. And then it's almost like you get a hold of, you get a hold of this, this sin and then the enemy just starts wrapping you up. And you got to let go so you can get free. So the first thing you want to do is you want to confess it. The second thing you want to do, and it's a good thing to confess things. God wants to help you through repentance. Did you know that? Repentance isn't a bad thing. Repentance is a good thing. It's always good to repent. It's, if, you're, if you're lost, it's good to be found. You ever been really, really lost and not have any idea where you are and your maps don't work on your phone? That's when, when you are really lost is when your maps won't work because you are somewhere where there's no cell reception. And you look at your phone and it's blank and you're thinking, oh, man, I really need a map right now and you need a map and you got nothing. It's good to know you're lost and where you are. And it's the grace of the Bible says it's the grace of God that leads us to repentance. It's the grace of God to say, put a dot on your map and say, you are here. And you're lost. <laughs> you need to get back to me. You need to run back to me. So confess your fear of man. And then secondly, question your fear of man. What exactly are you afraid of? Sometimes you need to think about what, what is it that you're actually afraid of? Is it disapproval? Do you really have a good reason? Are you imagining it? Because we, we imagine a lot of things. You know, a lot of times we, we build a case. I, I notice this. You ever read on Facebook and people will kind of go off on a rant about, I know all you people are going to say this and say this and say this. It's like, you know, I, I don't know if people are thinking about you that much. You know, I, I, think, I think we would be offended if we realized how little people thought about us. You know, you know what? People are so worried about their own stuff, they're spending very little effort on your stuff. I mean, you can tell them. You can say, listen, my world's falling apart. You will, will you pray for me? And they'll say, sure. They didn't mean it. They're not praying for you. 
they, for, they forgot because something happened on the way home. You know? But, you know, that's, that's our struggle. That's, that's our re- reality. Do you have a good reason to fear? Often when you articulate your fear, you realize that it's foolish. You know, I was concerned. You know, this person said this. Uh, or, or we just we perceive slights that, that are not real, so we need to recognize that it's real. Think about Abraham. So Abraham has the fear of man. Abraham's the father of our faith. Now, I've said this before, and I need you to get this. One of the reasons to know that the Word of God is God's Word is because the heroes don't look good. If I was going to make up a book about how to follow God, I would make my prime characters do better. But, no, because the story is not about these people. The story is about a God who's able to save lost people. Imperfect people. Struggling people. So Abraham... Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And it came about that when he came near to Egypt, and he said to Sarah, his wife, See now, I know that you're a beautiful woman, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you're my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that I may live on account of you. So think about this. Oh, great father of the faith, do you realize what you just said? You just said, I'm willing to risk my life, my wife being sexually messed with, raped, taken as a wife so that I can be safe. Oh, great man of faith. Think about that. I'm, I'm willing, you know, so he's saying, hey, uh, listen, Sarah, listen, this may not be safe for me, so are, willing, are you willing to put your life on the line for me? Will you tell him that you're my sister? Because she was his half-sister. So will you, you know, tell him you're my sister? How about, how about doing the right thing and trusting God with the outcome? That's not always easy. It wouldn't have been easy. There was a fear of death. There was a fear of, there were consequences of doing the right thing, but it was the right thing to do. So a lot of times we have to determine, are we going to do the right thing, even though there will be consequences? Can we do the right thing? Do we fear God more than we fear man? Will we do the right thing, not the convenient thing? Will we do the, the right thing, not what everybody else says we will do? Do we do the right thing and trust God with the consequences, with the outcome? Wouldn't it have been great to see how God could have worked this out? He actually had to come and rescue Abraham even in this because this got him in a pickle. Because Pharaoh says, well, she's beautiful. I'm going to take her as, as, as a wife. So then God has to bring a plague on Pharaoh so that Pharaoh says, what's up? Well, she's really my wife. What? What? So, the fear of man caused us to do crazy stuff. How about doing the right thing, trusting God for the outcome? John 12, 42. Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him. So, these are people that were high up in the Pharisees, 
the religious rulers of the synagogue, one of the, one of the primary groups, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, these were the primary groups that ruled the temple. So these were rulers in the temple, the high priest, you know, all. but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. Then, then he describes it, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. In other words, they, they loved the approval of men so much they were willing to think, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but I don't want to lose my good parking spot. You know, I've got this VIP spot by the front door. I don't want to lose it by, this, by the synagogue. And here, I'm somebody here, and what's going to happen in the kingdom? I'm going to lay that all down. And the fear of man causes them to miss out on the greatest gift to mankind, the Messiah, the weighted Messiah. They're waiting for the Messiah. And he comes, and they miss him because they're not willing to give up their popularity. The fear of leaving, losing prestige and popularity in places of honor caused them to miss God and to miss God's greatest gift to mankind. You see, the reality is if you follow Christ, it's going to cost you something. It's not, salvation is free, but it's not without cost. So, there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. Please don't hear me wrong. You cannot earn your salvation, but... Jesus doesn't become your friend only. He becomes the Lord of your life. The relationship changes. He's in charge and you're not. You surrender your life to him. You, and we use that terminology. You get, I gave my life to Christ. What, is that, what does that mean? It means that you, you gave him all. Jesus said, the one who puts his hand to the plow following him and looking back, he said he's not worthy to be in the kingdom. It's an all-in situation. In Matthew 13, verse 44, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field which a man found and hid again. Don't want anybody to know it's there. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. So he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that costs you everything. He sells all. Can you imagine this conversation? The guy goes in. He says, listen, I want to buy your field. He says, why do you want to buy my field? He said, well, it's, it's, it's a great field. I, I, I just want to buy it. How much is it? So, how much you got? Don't you hate that? You, know, you ask somebody, I, hey, how much you want for that? Well, make me an offer. Well, I'm, I Tell me what you want for it. I, I, I don't want to jump out there and pay too much for it, right? This guy says, says uh, how much is it? What do you got? He said, well, I, I, I've, sa- I've been saving my whole life for something like this. He said, I've got, you know, got $100,000 in the bank. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll, I'll give you $100,000. He says, great. That's great. That's great. That's great. What else you got? He said, well, I've got, a, I've got a small house. I've got a small house that, you know, he said, thanks. That's wonderful. I, that's mine too. Well, I guess, I guess I could live in my travel trailer. You have a travel trailer? That's mine too. Listen, 
what, where are my family and where are my kids going to stay? So you have family and kids? Those are mine too. They're all mine. He said, it's everything. He sells all. It costs everything. What does it cost to follow Christ? You can't save yourself. He's paid the price for salvation. But what does it take? You lay down everything. He says, okay, the field is yours. The guy says, well, I guess I'll start bringing all my stuff. He says, no, I don't want your stuff. But I just want you to remember whose it is. It, it belongs to me. And if I need it at any time and I ask you for it, you need to be willing to give it up. You see, that's why some of you have problem giving because you think what you have is yours. And you don't think that what you have is God's. And that he's just let you borrow it to be a steward over it. Everything we have, if we belong to him, if we've been bought with a price, if he is my Lord and Savior, everything that I have, every house, every car, every piece of property, every retirement fund, every stock, every bond, every inheritance, it's not mine. Is it? I'm not sure, there, I'm not sure I got a lot of agreement here. <laughs> it's his. Because he's Lord of it all. What did it cost? Is your fear of man keeping you from everything that God has for you in Christ Jesus? Thirdly, courageously confront the fear of man. You have to con courageously confront it. Now, the disciples have been preaching about Jesus. They're preaching about Jesus, and they get thrown in prison. So this is after the resurrection. They're going and talking about how Jesus, how they killed Jesus. They're raised been raised from the dead. And so they put the apostles in prison. They put Peter and James and John in prison. And they're in prison, and an angel of the Lord comes and gets them out of prison. We don't have any really great detail of how they get out of prison. It's like the prison doors shake and the doors open. It's just like they were in prison, and then they're out of prison. So much so that the next morning when they go, the, the, the council goes to retrieve them, to bring them before them, to question them. When they go to get them, the guards are standing outside the prison just like they were before, and they open the prison doors. There's no prisoners in there. And they're perplexed. Like, we're, they were here, the guards are here, the gates are locked, but they're not here. What happened? They don't know. So someone says, hey, hey, uh, you're looking for those guys? They're in the temple right now preaching. This Jesus you told them not to preach about. And they're like, they're, and it says they're perplexed. You can imagine. It's like, how did this happen? So, so they went and brought them to question them. And they brought them and stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them saying, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus 
whom you put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a priest and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So they said, okay, listen, you can do what you want to us, but we got to do what God told us. You have to determine, are you going to obey God? You're going to fear God? You're going to fear the world system? You're going to fear the approval of man? You're going to fear the approval of God? The world system will not let you carry the name of Christ without cost. We have lived in a season in our country where it was popular to be a Christian. I grew up in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. It was, we prayed before football games. There was religious activity. There was, there was agreement with Christianity and its precepts, at least, you know, on the outside. If it wasn't genuine, there was, there, there was a, a religiosity about our nation and our culture. But I want to tell you, if you thought that the culture was supporting Christianity, it's not anymore, and it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse, and you've got to decide whose side you're on because the culture is not going to let you be a Christian without cost. It's not meant to be a great cost, but it may be just, I've got to tell the truth at my job. I'm not going to lie for them, and it'll cost you your job. Or I can't agree with this mentality, or I can't agree with this mentality, and just taking that stand will cost you your job. Because we have to determine, we're going to fear man, and we're going to fear the Lord. The Lord needs, we have to be delivered so that we can do the right thing. Where do we need to fear man? We need to, we need to fear man. We need to care what people think when it relates to how we tell people about Jesus. We want to we want to shine like stars in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We don't want to be a bunch of crooks and perverts, but we want to be able to minister to a bunch of crooks and perverts by shining like stars. In other words, people need to look at us and say, listen, I don't agree with this Jesus thing, but something about you is appealing. It's different. There's something inside of you that's not inside of me, and I'm curious, what is it? Paul said, I become all things to all people that I may by all means win some. He didn't say, I'm wishy-washy and I can't make my mind up about my beliefs. Paul was saying, I don't care what they think about me, but I do care what they think about Jesus. And I'm going to live in such a way that I can tell the most people about Jesus. Amen. So we want to be free of the fear of man. Amen. Let's stand and I'll let you go. Anything about fear of man that's haunting you? You need to fear God more than you fear men. You need to think about the eternal more than the temporary. What can mere man do to me? Fear not. The Lord is with you. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you would, in the midst of a culture that is increasingly counter-Christian, where the values that we cherish the things that we hold dear, the truths that we believe so profoundly and importantly, 
as they are being attacked on every side, as the, as the culture is pushing and pushing against us, Father, that we would have the courage and the fortitude and the wisdom to fear you more than we fear men, to love you more than we love men, and that the culture would not become our functional God, but we would declare our allegiance to the one true God in Jesus Christ and in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. I love you. I love you.